and welcome to Goblet of Wine, a drunken Harry Potter podcast. I'm Hannah. And I'm Charlie. And we're two 20-somethings rereading our favourite childhood book with added alcohol and cynicism. In today's episode, we're reading chapter 17 and 18 of Prisoner of Azkaban with a very special guest. Yes, today we are joined by the wonderful Melissa Anelli. She is the CEO of Mischief Management. Of, of LeakyCon. Of, she does many, many podcasts she, and things. She's everywhere. She is the queen of the harry potter fandom yeah um if you haven't heard of her you live under a rock you should have so we are joined by her in a brilliantly ranty episode that will get underway in a minute but first we have a few quick thank yous to do so it's a few of our latest reviews so thank you to retrostalgia who thinks we have a nice voices thank you very much we definitely don't it's just the accent mm. and a big Thank you to Hufflepuff31, who found us through Fanatical Fix and can't stop listening. I mean, I'm guessing, yeah, probably someone must be forcing you to listen. You Um, get help if you need it. Yeah. Yeah. Blink twice if you need us to help. (laughs) Remember, if you can leave us a review anywhere on iTunes and it will be read out. So let's get into the episode. Welcome, Melissa. How are you? Hello. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited. A little bit tipsy. Oh, fantastic. (laughs) That's what we like to hear. Yes, we are very excited to have you. So, Would you like to explain to everyone who you are and what you do? Anyone that somehow doesn't know. Yes. Oh, there's the vast majority of people, I'm sure. (laughs) Um, So my name is Melissa Anelli. I was a am still a massive Harry Potter fan but back in the day day like back when they were coming out um I ran and still run a website called the Leaky Cauldron which is the Harry Potter site you should go to if you want the best and most accurate news about the Harry Potter phenomenon um it's the best website it's the best it is the best um have I said that three times yet great yes and Uh, as you should it is the best it is the best and in 2005 we started a podcast called Pottercast I've also been running LeakyCon which is the world's biggest unofficial Harry Potter convention since 2009 and we just had our 10th anniversary in Boston which was amazing I also there's a lot of things I'm sorry in 2008 I wrote a book called the um called Harry a history I almost forgot the name of my book Thank you for (laughs) Harry History, the true story of a boy wizard, his fans, and life inside the Harry Potter phenomenon, for which J.K. Rowling wrote the forward. It's a big honor of my life. And now I run a company called Mischief Management, which not only does LeakyCon, but BroadwayCon and Con of Thrones and lots of other things. And I'm on three other podcasts. So essentially, you are the biggest Harry Potter expert outside of J.K. Rowling. That is a scary sentence. I, uh, I would say that though <laughs> I mean we were having this conversation earlier with Neil Hannah's boyfriend and we were basically explaining we were like so she's basically the queen of the Harry Potter fandom <laughs> yeah I'm, <laughs> if we're the word queen is scary um, <laughs> um, I will say that if you want like there are people who know the books even better than I do absolutely but mm. uh, even though I know them really well I will say probably if you want if you're looking at what the has happened in the world because of Harry Potter I guess I wrote the book about it so like i'm trying to like not downplay an achievement while also talking about an achievement so i will say yes i wrote the book on what happened in the world because of harry potter and the harry potter community has been so just amazing and fulfilling and is the best community online i have ever found to this day 
which yeah. I believe I read your book back when it first came out and just realized that now oh so, my God. I have, so I have this memory and the, the timelines line up I think I was obviously part of like my local library that's where I got out all my books and they knew I loved Harry Potter and I, I have this memory of reading it around Christmas time around yeah. the age that would be correct around mm-hmm. 14 to 15 years old and I, yep. I saw the I recently like saw the cover online and I was like that was it that was the book I'd read so I'm pretty sure I read it That's which exciting. is great I got it out from my local library yeah and That's I great. I went to LeakyCon in 2012 <gasps> when it was in Chicago <laughs> in Chicago Chicago was one of the big ones yeah. it was crazy did you yeah, go to see Star Kid or did you just go to be a Harry Potter fan I like all of it all everything. of it yeah. It, and, it, and it was amazing it, it was like surreal and incredible and I'm so lucky that I got to go obviously being in England it was right. qu- quite a way to travel <laughs> so, yeah, it, it has become like it started as just a bunch of people talking about Harry Potter which is a great way to start anything but the the community that has come out of LeakyCon it's LeakyCon has, has come to stand for something more than Harry yeah. Potter yeah. it's come to stand for being yourself no matter what that self is and being accepted for it that's what tends and I don't want to like say everybody's I can't speak for everybody's experience but the large majority of the feedback we get out of LeakyCon is that people feel themselves there in a way that it's hard to feel outside it and that is the greatest um honor of my life that that that, that I've been so in any way involved in creating something like that you know yeah. yeah it's it's a huge achievement I don't know how you've done all that you've done <laughs> my team my team my team are rock stars literally every <laughs> single one of them that's how. So, so to jump into it, what Hogwarts house are you? Oh, I'm a Gryffindor. <laughs> I have so yes! <laughs> every time I've been tested. When I worked on Pottermore in the first year before before it went live, and we, even in the testing phase of the Sorting Hat, I took it six or seven different times, and I was a Gryffindor every single time. I recently took one of those tests that says, uh, "What would you be if you were sorted when you were 11?" And I've I've always said if I went to Hogwarts. At 11, I would have been a Ravenclaw. That's what I really, truly thought. So I'm answering these questions like, yeah, yeah, I'm going to get Ravenclaw. I'm just answering them the way I would answer them. Gryffindor came up. I was like, oh, cool. Okay, so Gryffindor it is. Yeah. Where, hold on. I, where does this quiz exist? What would it be uh, when you were 11? I will 11? find it. I think it's a BuzzFeed. I don't, I, it was being passed around our mischief uh, Slack. Oh, that so, sounds great. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll find it. And what have you chosen for us to drink today? Whiskey. I said scotch because I'm a scotch snob. So <laughs> I got, I've had Glenmorangie here today. Highland single malt, which is my favorite type. Also space sides. I like space sides. But I'm a scotch snob beca- only because I used to not be into it at all. And then I went on a trip to Scotland and we went to like, I don't know, 10 different distilleries in a couple days. And I just fell so hard into all the flavors and whatever. So whiskey it is. Great. Well, we have got the same. So So we have whiskey. And this is great for me because Hannah doesn't like whiskey that much. Not traditionally. No. Um, Whereas I do. And normally on this podcast, it's always Hannah drinking something she likes and me drinking something I don't like. Well, don't be so fussy. (laughs) No, but okay. So the massively ironic thing about this podcast, despite being called Goblet of Wine, I hate wine. Oh, Whenever we have to drink wine, it's it's a nightmare for yeah. me. <laughs> I've got a little dram glass. I've had two already. I had the first one, Fantastic. and then my boyfriend was like, you have work to do, and then filled it up to the very top on the <laughs> second one. So, Prisoner of Azkaban, tell yeah. us your thoughts on this book. Yes, tell us your thoughts. So, uh, Prisoner of Azkaban was my favorite book until book seven came out. It remains my second favorite Harry Potter book, mm-hmm. which is hot. Like, you know, book seven, you can't be like, it's my favorite 
what's something boring that can be your favorite? It's my favorite train line. Um, <laughs> that, bu- book seven being that's my favorite. That's not boring. I, I do have a favorite train line. <laughs> that's fair. In New York, you know, I do too. I also have very, very despised train lines. But oh yeah, favorite Harry Potter book is like, like high, yeah. high, high bar. So when I say Prisoner of Azkaban is my Azkaban is my second favorite, that is a, also a very high bar, and it's actually pretty close to book seven. And when I went mm. in and read the chapters for today without having read the rest of the books leading up to it, I just started cr- started crying because <laughs> I love this book so much and yeah. reading it sort of like slowly and basking it in, it was just really reminds me of um how much i love this book but i have to tell you something that i've discovered about i don't know if you guys have discovered this so i was once making a really big timeline of the harry potter series like trying to get trying to get it all to make sense basically why Uh, are you my favorite person (laughs) once i tried to put the shops in diagon alley in the line it's really hard doesn't work dream (laughs) but um it almost works and then you just have to just yeah you know but it's like they always start school on tuesday and it's also always September 1st. That doesn't make any sense. No, so, no, no, it doesn't. <laughs> yeah. In book three, and tell me if you found this, there's a missing month. There's a whole oh. missing month. Look at the timeline where Harry is taking his Patronus lessons and also testing out the Firebolt. There's a period of time, and I'll, I'll try and like detail this or something for social so that people can see it, where the, there is absolutely no way to make sense of it, except if you say that a month fell off the calendar and into the dark void. That there's just a, it's just, it's not, it's, it's like Harry three weeks later, it's his Quidditch match or something, but three weeks before that it was February and now it's April. And you just, when you try to make the timeline, it's gone. And I'm, to be clear, this is not like a criticism of Joe. I think writers have to have some license to just do what they do, but And it's also like a, but it's, it's more like a commentary on when you try to apply too much logic to, to a fantasy series. Yeah. It's sort of chasing your own tail after a while. But there was a, there was a whole, yeah. there was a mi- missing month. And I remember finding this out, like, I don't know, four or five years ago and realizing that it had been a decade that I've been into these books and I hadn't noticed it until I tried to apply this like real world logic to it. It's, it's really, I don't know, oh it's God. fascinating. I need you to send this to me because this is my kind of Hannah stuff. Is it? for this stuff. All of the nerdy little details, like the differences in like uh, different editions. Oh, of I'm the book obsessed and different countries, with but, different like, all editions. All of the kind of nitty gritty. Hannah loves that. We shit. are also obsessed with the the kind of slightly weird like writer mistakes. Like uh-huh, the uh-huh. one we're best known for is in book two. It says the train passes through Norfolk between London and Scotland. Yeah. Oh, and no. it's just geographically that's like, that's doesn't like this make way. sense. That's like to the yeah, right. Like and then it, up. Yeah. Yeah. I've been yeah. to Norfolk. It's not it's not. It, it, yeah. No, yeah. it would never happen. It, could, it physically <laughs> cannot happen. And it's now become something we're known for. I have two of those things. I hope I hope I remember them. One is in book four, Harry when he's in the prefect bathroom, takes off his pajamas, his robe and then his shoes, it's really <laughs> it's Oh, Harry. Somebody pointed this out to me once We've and said- We've all had those days. Yeah, exactly. Somebody said like, well, surely he is a wizard. And, so, um, and then, oh no. Maybe the one... it was tear away. Maybe it was it's a stripper. Like stripper pants. <laughs> Harry. Harry's in Magic Mike now. Yeah, pants. such a bad- 
I can't I can't my brain shuts down when you That's when I fair. people a lot of people have no problem like applying Harry Potter into like sexual situation nope I can, my brain just <laughs> stops because they're like my kids you know my yeah just stops the uh, other one actually it's not one that I have it's one that you guys had that I've been talking about to people because it's so funny the I'm already excited first book in the first when you were like yeah and they leave him I'm sorry I'm laughing thinking about it they leave him on the doorstep Without ever mentioning that, like, protective charms or whatever, on a November day in England, they leave a mm-hmm. infant baby <laughs> on a doorstep and just walk away. And it's yeah, like, yeah. that is an excellent, <laughs> like, okay, surely, surely, Dumbledore cast many charms and everything a was fine. Warming but charm. it's not mentioned and it's <laughs> hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, this is what our podcast is all about is that adult reading of it yeah. and picking on all that silly bullshit that kind of thing that i feel like americans don't think about where they wouldn't think about geographically norfolk sure. doesn't make sense or they wouldn't think about the temperature of england, england in, in november, november. <laughs> yeah and all this so we try to do the serious stuff and then that kind of stuff i, I appreciate it and i have both for these chapters fantastic so we should definitely jump in i do feel like this is going to be a two-hour episode and i'm so excited <laughs> for it yeah i'm excited and i'm sorry these are some beefy chapters yeah. so chapters okay chapter, chapter 17 oh, you go <laughs> oh. Oh. oh cat rat and dog and i have a really annoying comment just to make that this chapter title annoys me because there's no oxford comma where should an Oxford comma be? Uh, oh, Ox- be I'm going to show you hand. the American Oxford comma in my Skype chat. Yes. Uh, America is loves its there? Oxford comma, which is weird because it's called an Oxford comma. Uh, so an yeah. Oxford comma is when it comes before the and. Before the that and. does yes. not exist here. We do not do but that. You I, how like did we them. call it an Oxford comma if it doesn't exist in England? <laughs> that makes no sense to me. Because like it's a thing where it's like, I believe in the Oxford comma, but in me Britain too. you're taught that you shouldn't use the Oxford comma. But I don't I know why firm, it's called the Oxford comma. Firm believer in it. And I don't Who's know not? why it's called the Who's like, that co- that comma is dumb and <laughs> it's a waste of time. It's All it does is make things clearer. Yeah, it's like I've never used one. You Ever. should. And I was never taught one. You taught me what one was. That's yeah. how much I don't know. I, it's, I am like the, it's the last the comma w- before the end of a list. That's it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I am a firm advocate for the Oxford comma and I'm pretty much the only person in Britain. And this, this chapter title just upset me because there that's... was no oxford comma okay great well that, that's like... too much hashtag save the oxford comma <laughs> yeah yes. on to plot on to the plot so it kicks off exactly where we left off it's the uh, basically from now until very close to the end for the next i think four chapters we continuously open where the last chapter has left off which makes it such exciting reading and it also makes me have such flashbacks to reading this, this book as a child and not being able to conceptually read chapter and chapter and chapter because i was meant to be going to bed yes. and secretly hiding mm-hmm. under the cover so i could just read that one more chapter one more chapter yeah i mean i used to listen to the audiobooks because i'm dyslexic so i couldn't mm-hmm. read when most of the books were coming out so i would have the audiobooks and i always used to remember i would get to like the end of the tape because this was also back when tapes were a thing <laughs> yeah. and i used to like scream down the hallway mom can i turn the tape over and she'd be like no go to bed and you'd be like no. <laughs> oh no all right co-host frankie's dyslexic as well and he he also listens to them as well instead of you know paper read they're fantastic I'm yeah especially the stephen fry ones i'm oh, very sorry jim You're dale stephen but... fry purist no i agree jim dale's a wonderful person and an amazing amazing actor but i prefer the jim the stephen the other ones 
Yes. That guy. Stephen Fry. Stephen Fry. So <laughs> they hear Hagrid wail. And it's just so amazingly written how everything they see and hear now makes sense in the context of the now, but also then makes sense in the context of later. So because mm-hmm. they think in their heads Buckbeak is dead, of course the wail sounds in despair. But later, because they know Buckbeak's alive, the wail sounds like it's in triumph. And it's just... I'm going to go on about it a lot as we go over, especially as we go over the time turn a bit, but the, I keep calling it tight, but how like tightly knitted everything in this chapter is. Oh, cleverly it all holds together. This whole book, there are things in these chapters that make you realize the insane amount of plotting she had to do throughout the whole book to make it all hang together. And it's maybe one of the only time travel stories ever that I, that holds up, that doesn't break when you look at it too closely. Incredible. Yeah. 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 Unlike Curse Child, which it breaks a little, but thematically it holds together. It breaks a little. (laughs) It breaks time a lot, but yeah. So Scabbers is desperately trying to get away. Crookshanks appears. Scabbers manages to get away. Ron chases after, and Harry and Hermione follow. So they all finally catch up to one another and hear bounding paws behind them so they say they hear the bounding paws and then harry turns and says as quiet as a shadow the dog approaches i'm like how can it have how can you hear the bounding paws turn and then it's quiet as a shadow i don't don't think that works so it's the huge dog that harry has been seeing and thinks is the grim it jumps over harry whirls around and as the dog lunges again Ron pushes Harry out of the way to save him. And it's such a small no, little God. bit. These, and it's n- I'm going to start my rant. And they, later there's a moment where I'm really going to go on my rant. But these We are the, know where the moment is. These oh are the God. Ron chapters. These are yes. the Ron chapters. And this is why it is a crime to not show Ron the way Ron is. And it's the Hermione chapter too because she's awesome. But yep. I'll tell you in a minute where my first Hermione moment came. Okay, yeah. Sorry. yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm jumping I've, ahead. I, I, I feel like the last two chapters were the Hermione ones because yeah. it's got like the punch and her basically like losing Storming her out shit. divination and, and then these ones are the Ron ones and I feel like you and Hannah are like kindred spirits because Hannah is the biggest Ron <laughs> fanatic yes so the thing about this Ron pushes Harry out the way thing is I had missed it until the close reading I did probably like a year ago I had completely missed this half sentence because it's in a, a load of sentences of action where as the dog lunges Ron physically pushes harry out of the way so it makes it sound like the dog captures ron instead of harry obviously we know that the dog is actually going for ron Mm -hmm. but it's just ron is that character that whatever bad stuff people have to say about him he is the person and it's and it's not Hermione. however much i love Hermione, he's the person that would jump in front of the gun that is ron who says yeah. stuff about ron i need to Loads stop of people there. i hate those people <laughs> whoever says stuff about ron needs to come talk to me and i want to like i want to be clear i'm also this way about hermione just real hermione book hermione and not movie yeah. hermione and we're gonna get there but also oh. not not film ron because film not ron is film trash ron. yeah i mean you have an entire youtube video on this don't you yes yeah yes mm-hmm. I do. it's not okay what they did to ron and what they did to hermione I, I went on a rant about this on podcast that like has like traveled places like i've seen it pop up on the internet now and then 
yeah. I will do it again here because that's how strongly I feel about it. Yeah, and mm-hmm. I will do it again in the film episode. You better just just go stand outside while I do that. Just, oh, I will. Just, just, like, Are you not that way? Drink. Do you not feel no, the same? No, she is. She no, just, I am. I she am. just has I to am. listen it's to it so much. Whenever it's anything Rod and Hermione, I'm just like, okay, like I'll just be, I'll be, I'm just, uh, just uh, take another drink. You've got this. The dog starts to drag one away whilst something hits Harry and Hermione. He realizes it's the Whomping Willow. They can't get to Ron as the dog is dragging Ron into the tree. And Ron, oh, in a moment that actually made me feel sick to read, hooks a leg around oh, a tree yeah. trunk. Yeah. The dog pulls and his leg, and they ha- say they hear the sound like a whip cracking. Which yeah. in a kiss book, I'm like, that's the one bit in the films where I'm like, yeah, thank God they didn't do that bit because that's gross. That's that is. really grim. Yeah, and like he must really fucking be. Imagine the pain to get to that point before it breaks and he's still holding on. Like, and yeah, I mean, that's a bit fucking scary being dragged inside a tree. tree. Yeah. yeah. Also, um, serious is desperation that he yeah. is willing to break this. He's not going to kill him, obviously, but like he's willing to break this kid's leg. He does not care. He needs to get. And it's all, it's such masterful deflection because it's all in service of Harry and it all feels like it feels like some crazed dog who doesn't care who he gets at this point you know it's yeah it's it's so it's very clever Hermione um and Harry are basically being beaten the shit out by the bumping willow yeah um Hermione begs for help and then Crookshanks this is where I have a thing this is where I have a thing Hermione frequently repeatedly when she gets overstressed she loses her shit and that's <laughs> Hermione like that's her that is what is great about Hermione she has flaws give me I'm someone crying. who has her flaws and overcomes them or like give me somebody who's brave in a moment and we see why that was hard we see the stakes we say that see why that was hard for her every time badass beautiful uh, beautiful amazing Emma Watson nothing to do with Emma Watson but badass beautiful perfect flaws shaved down Hermione does something in the movies it made me want to tear my hair out don't yes. show girls perfection show girls a fucking human who yes. gets over her fears and is brave when she's scared which is the only time you can be really brave so she's hopping from foot to foot just screaming for help which is yeah. a callback to book one when she says you know with the are you a witch or not moment you know yeah that yeah. is on the floor right now or on the couch or something <laughs> but that's what she does that's what she and also because she doesn't have ron to ground her in that moment and say yeah. things like yes. are you a witch or not and like not like he's he's the grounding he's the he's the person who's been in this world forever he's calmer in a crisis he's the one who yes. dove in front of the dog to get to stop him from getting at Harry he keeps his head in a crisis Hermione does not and every time the movies showed how she was unflappable it made me really angry also this moment re- reminds me of a help will always be given to anyone who asked for it at Hogwarts because at yes. that moment Crookshanks comes forward and whether it's Hogwarts or just the act of asking for help is a beautiful beautiful thing yeah. I love I um, love flawed Hermione <laughs> I, love I feel like you need a round of applause I, 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 we <laughs> well just done. told her like <laughs> I, I literally have nothing to add because everything <laughs> you just said is in, is inside my head constantly and sometimes it's like those thoughts are screaming when I read the book and I'm so glad other people feel them yeah, too. Yeah, it's so true though. Like they cancel each other out. Like Hermione yeah. is not fucking good in a crisis. No, no she's terrible. And it mirrors She'll get it together where she completely loses it. Yeah. yeah. I, There's a part uh, in I this just... chapter where she sweeps the leg. Like she does a karate kid on Sirius Black. She gets it together eventually. But when yeah. the thing happens she's gonna lose her shit for a minute and that's yeah okay. that's like a normal that's human fine. goddamn reaction yeah, yeah. they're it's 13 i'm relatable. having another drink 
<laughs> like, and she has so many other flaws apart from this that, again, the film's cut out and we've talked mm-hmm. about it in earlier episodes, but her quick judgment of people, yep. her insensitivity when she doesn't believe their point of view. Her reliance at the beginning on the written word. Exactly. That, that goes yep. as the books go on, but yep. over-reliance on the written word. Oh, mm-hmm. Yeah, everything you've just said. Yeah. I also love how in this moment, so the text has suddenly become so fast-paced and frantic and fast. Mm-hmm. And I find it really it's interesting that in every other book, we've known when the climax is kicking off. We've yep. arrived at the trapdoor mm-hmm. or we've arrived at the edge of the Chamber of Secrets. Here you're like, mm, they're going down to Hagrid's and then all of a sudden it really Boom, like, yeah, it really like kind of takes the wind out from yeah, under you. Shit you starts to go down. Yeah, like, like how it does in real life. And I think you feel very much like Harry does in the moment. The writing mirrors the way Harry feels. You feel suddenly overwhelmed by everything that's happening. You don't know what's going yeah. on. You're just trying to get through. And it's very clever how the writing style mimics how Harry is meant to be feeling. Yeah, yeah and absolutely. it's something I really noticed trying to write like fucking plot notes. Yes. It's basically just bullet points of action. Yeah. Things happening mm-hmm. constantly. Like it really hard yeah. to keep up with. So Hermione begs for help and then Crookshanks jumps forward and stops the Whomping Willow. Yep. And I love it so much. I love that Crookshanks is so intelligent that even though she's on Sirius's side, she he... knows that they still need to get in there. It's not like, oh, he... I'm not going to help them. He... It's a he... boy. I see all, ca- all, all cats as women in my brain. <laughs> It's right. My boyfriend cannot, for the life of him, call any animal anything other than a he. He misgenders animals like 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 something else you've ever seen. I swear. It's thank God we have a boy dog. He is just. It is yeah. Every single time. Yeah. Yeah. I've always had only only female cats. So all cats to me are women. Yeah. So Crookshanks, you know, wants to help Sirius, but also knows that they, you know do need to get in they yeah. need Sirius needs that head start but he does need to let Hermione and Harry and in and he doesn't want to see Hermione get beaten to death yeah. by the whomping willow either and Crookshanks <laughs> is a like a moral compass Crookshanks mm. settles on top of Sirius's chest and, mm. and like puts mm-hmm. himself in between Harry and Sirius Crookshanks you can sort of see him going to to where the right thing is throughout the entire book yeah. actually when you look when you look back over it so Crookshanks is not only like really intelligent but sort of like knows who's on the side of right which is yeah. a really interesting it, definitely it kills me that Crookshanks kind of just gets written out in the end I think like, we're gonna yeah. have to save a lot of this film talk for the film <laughs> oh my god we're yeah. gonna just that's just gonna be hours of us ranting oh yeah uh-huh uh-huh it's gonna be good it's gonna be good so Crookshanks freezes the tree and then <laughs> it says Harry and Hermione slide into it and for some reason I just had this image of like like a kind of shit penguin it's like like so they walk along the tunnel it's it's a long tunnel they're kind of walking hunched over they arrive in a room and Hermione 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 drink Hermione thinks that they're in the Shrieking Shack, which is a good deduction. Like, I'm not sure I would have got over her. Yeah. Also, like, um, they, they get there and Harry... Oh, she says, I think we're in the Shrieking Shack, but, like, Harry also has a rare moment of observational quality <laughs> where he looks at, at a chair and goes, ghosts didn't do that. It's like, yeah. wow, Harry, good good job, Harry. Well done. You, you made a correct observation. I'm proud of yep. you. Yeah. yeah, which is also a really fucking scary moment. Yeah, that moment of like not knowing. Ghost it's like, okay, a ghost didn't do that. that. What the fuck did? Yeah, 
like what has taken wrong it's basically like going into a haunted house all Absolutely. of a sudden it's like wow yeah. this book turned and even the moment of them choosing to like climb into like a hole like underneath a tree or whatever is like terrifying yeah. like you don't know what's down there yeah. you don't know that that's not gonna like even just like cave in or something yeah or that the dog could just be right there like oh horrid yeah. horrid i mean i'm scared of dogs anyway so <laughs> there's a lot of stuff in this chapter where you start to see the way this trio is coming together as a unit and mm-hmm. one of them here is when Hermione and Ron and like a Hermione and Harry I want to also point out also I'm a giant Hermione and Ron shipper but I'm also a giant shipper of the friendship between Harry and Hermione I think it's amazing and so they reach the dark landing and they both just know to whisper Knox that's like a trust thing mm. between them that's kind of like beautiful and lovely and when I it hit me when I reread this that like they both just know okay we gotta put out our wands like the, and yeah. there's a couple of I've made notes there's a couple in this the Expelliarmus being another one which you know, yes. we'll get to. they mm. just are really starting to come together as a unit who's been through some stuff and you start to see it here also can we point out the magnificent four poster bed they built this shack for Remus Lupin and they put a magnet <laughs> for him to turn literally so that he could turn into a werewolf inside it and they thought to furnish it with a beautiful bed that he could destroy some of the details on rereading I was like really if I was the decorator for this particular project I might go with I don't know steel I might go with not lavish for poster beds or chairs that you can rip pieces out from I'm just I'm just saying I mean, yeah. I didn't realize until this rereading that the shack was built yes. for Lupin. What so a budget. I knew the tree was planted and I knew that the tunnel was made, but I thought mm-hmm. the tunnel was just made to a convenient old shack that existed. I mean, no. let's not forget our joke about how Dumbledore loves interior decorating and it's Queer Eye for the <gasps> Wizard Guy. Oh, Dumbledore wizard did guy. it. Oh my God. Yes. Dumbledore did it because... 30 out of 31 days a month he could use the shack for other purposes (laughs) for dates for uh any it's uh, problems it was Dumbledore okay yeah we don't need to question it anymore that's a really good point though yeah I mean maybe there was another reason it's called the shrieking shack stop oh no I didn't go that far so Ron and Crookshanks are on the bed and at the other side of the room, they turn around and see Sirius Black. And the description of him is so horrible and nightmarish and in mm-hmm. such a juxtaposition to the way he's later described in the mm-hmm. books that yeah. it's unrecognizable as the same person. And obviously we know like Azkaban has changed him. He's barely eaten in a year. But it also just shows the way you view people is the perception of who you think they are yes. because... <laughs> We know that Harry ends up calling Sirius attractive many a times, but right now he's like, he's like a skull. He's like an ugly, wasted skull. He is currently zero out of 10, would would not fuck. fuck. So to explain (laughs) this joke, this is a running joke we have about how, and this is clearly some of JK Rowling's like personal kind of like bias coming through where Harry always describes people by whether they're ugly or not. Yeah. Yeah, Or whether they're fat or not. And it's weird coming from Harry, who is supposed to be a child. Child. that he views people in this way and it's also indirect correlation to whether they're good or evil if they're attractive they're good if they're not attractive then they're evil so that's why now like Sirius is you know he's like oh zero out of ten would not fuck and he's evil and then later once he realized that he's not evil he's he 11 out of 10 attractive <laughs> and harry does want to fuck him so like i've i've read a lot of that over the years and i think it's like a valid criticism but i also think it's more that 
Harry is seeing them in a certain way. I'm sure mm. if you were to walk Draco Malfoy across uh, a lineup of somebody who never doesn't know anything about him, they would think, man, that's a sleek, cool, beautiful looking guy. But yeah. Harry, knowing he's, he's a bit of a shit, is not going to think that way so I do think it's like a combination I think it's valid to question J.K. Rowling's choices on body body image and those kinds mm. of like it's completely valid but I also think Aunt Marge is an asshole so Aunt Marge's corpulence is going to be per- portrayed negatively and Molly Weasley's mm. corpulence is going to be portrayed as warm and and wonderful so yeah. there's like our, you know the but yes also probably Sirius has not showered very much yet yeah <laughs> no. yeah I mean that yeah. is like a very good point like when you meet someone and you're like oh they're fit and then you learn that they're a complete asshole yep. and actually no wait sorry that I get more attracted to assholes <laughs> sorry <laughs> no you tried to make no. a point in it I, I tried to make a point um <laughs> I feel like that's so meet- hard yeah, when you meet someone and you're like neutral about them, and then they're really, really lovely. Yes. Oh wait, no, I get less. It does. But also, but also a counterpoint. Tom Riddle. People. Tom Riddle's a counterpoint. Tom Riddle is often described as incredibly good-looking and yes. charming. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. and, we, and, and we've known he's, as, he's the evil. And it's almost described as like part of the waste of what he did to himself. The fact yeah. he went evil was that he lost his good looks. It's described right. in that way. Like he lost not only. But he basically lost his good looks. Or yeah, he lost his exactly. like actual looks. He lost his actual yeah. like physical. Like he his nose. Snakes. He lost his nose. <laughs> yeah. Lost his um, nose. <laughs> yeah. So I've written Q Sirius's awful communication skills. Oh my so god. Right. Basically, the rest of my notes on this chapter are just like just fucking communicate. Just like just communicate. explain yourself. Yep. Like, dude, what the fuck? Just literally form actual sentences it's and say stop being shady. Stop being cagey. It's stop so being sad. mysterious just fucking explain it's yeah. so sad but if you had spent 13 years like you know what i mean every time i have that thought i'm like god damn it serious just get a fucking sentence out of your mouth but then i remember that he spent 13 years being tortured by and it's hard to fault him but then i'm just like could you just could you just wait to kill the could you just wait and then part yeah. of me is like why didn't you kill him immediately why couldn't you have put him in a magical cage you're a goddamn wizard put him in a magical cage restrain him in some other way that would stop him from transforming there's like five trained wizards around these people and they can't stop Anyway, I'm going on a whole thing. Yeah. So I'm going to say yeah. No, no, but like, you it's are a right. bit when he's like, only one will die tonight, that I'm like, serious. You yeah. can communicate better. Yep. Like, I know yeah. you've been through some shit, but like, yeah. really? Yeah. Like- and, and it's not you. Only one will die tonight, but not you. I like <laughs> yeah. you. You're fine. I'm not going to kill you. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to kill somebody that's not you. Yeah. Communicate. <laughs> There's a bunch of double and triple expelliarmuses in this chapter. So, serious points the wand and says Expelliarmus and Harry and Hermione's wands just fly out of her and it made me think about book seven <laughs> like how come every wand in the great hall didn't come flying at Harry with the last spell <laughs> it's like the most powerful Expelliarmus there ever was in this chapter Harry Ron Hermione which is again another point about their lovely uh, cohesion Mm. All, all Expelliarmus Snape, and he goes flying against a wall. How come Harry actually counteracting Voldemort while in possession of the Elder Wand <laughs> does not attract every single wand 
I love I that. I mean, maybe it happens and it's just too big a moment to add that in. <laughs> yeah. But what's just happening is Harry's being hit on the head by like a no, thousand. No, he just like, gets oh. impaled by a hundred oh, no. Yeah, like just a pile of wires just comes just like, and you're like, oh, 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 wait. That's that. Oh, wait. Yeah, this like Voldemort ends up winning, but only because Harry just gets stabbed by oh, hundreds. Oh, my God. <laughs> or like he doesn't get stabbed, but then they have like a whole ordeal afterwards where yeah. Harry's got like a hundred wands and it's yeah, like, it's like which one's mine? Which one's who's mine? Who's who? Who's 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 yeah. who's 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 and then before the line right before the line which i i'm gathering we're going to be talking about the line <laughs> but they're the two pairs of hands holding him back again like ron hermione and harry are coming together at such a point where they can they know what he's doing they know it's in his head and they know mm. they're his better angels at this moment and they rush forward and pull him back from going across that line and it's beautiful yeah. and this is the first thing that made me cry two pairs of hands rushing up and pulling him back it was yeah amazing they start to work together so well as a team because in like obviously in the first book they're still yeah they don't know each other that well storming. the second book is is just it's just wrong um and <laughs> yeah, in, yeah in this book you really start to see them all working together and also actually using magic and spells and logic rather yes. than just kind of yeah what making their way through and stumbling really their way to victory yeah because yeah, they spent the majority of the book not really speaking to each other like they're mm. all falling out and they're really being at odds and then like literally a u-turn like they make up like a chapter ago mm. and then they go into this and then like they are this unit and they're really united and it's just literally such a u-turn so then ron says the line the line but he doesn't just say the line he <laughs> can i do it can i do my rant yes, yes. go his Go. leg has been horrifically broken in the process of literally doing what he thought was saving Harry's life. He's pale, he's white, he's green, he's all the colors of the damn rainbow <laughs> at this point. And not only do they pull Harry back from killing Sirius Black, at that moment, Ron with his broken leg just gets up and stands in front of Harry and says, if you want to kill Harry, you're going to have to kill us too. And they give it to Hermione in the movies. And I've never been madder about anything in my whole entire life. There is no, I don't know what the hell they were thinking. I love Hermione. Hermione deserves everything she deserves. But that line was Ron's and it yeah. was powerful because his leg was broken because he was in pain because he does because it just shows how much he cares he wasn't just some guy they had to carry through the action sequence which is what it was in the movie he's this yeah. mm-hmm. easily injured useless guy and again no shade on Rupert Grint but this is the way it was directed how 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 do you give that powerful moment of beautiful brotherly friendship and give it away and not to somebody and who has so many other things for herself and it's also such a Ron moment because Hermione, as as amazing as she is and as much as she would give herself for Harry, that's not her kind of line. She's the kind of person who would step mm-hmm. forward and try to reason, try right. to come up with something else, try to she say- She does. Like, and she does do that multiple times in this chapter yeah. because that's her. But Ron is the kind of person who would just stand up and yep. say, no, mm-hmm. you have to go through me. Yes. And it's, it's so Ron's character and I I just love Ron so much in this yeah, chapter. Same. It is his chapter. Same. Yeah. It is can his you chapter. please, can you fly to England and watch the th- third film with, with us when we <laughs> watch it? Because I just want to, I just want to watch you two screaming at the screen. <laughs> I, it's so, it's so maddening because Hermione is so great in so many ways and they did it twice. They did it twice. They even made up 
a thing that didn't happen in the books to give Hermione yet another instance of trying to sacrifice herself for Harry that didn't happen in the books. I am not saying that Hermione in the books would not sacrifice herself for Harry. Of course she would. Here she is. She's fighting. She sweeps a leg in this chapter. She absolutely would, if it came to it, jump in front of it. 100%. But you and why must you take that away from Ron? It's yeah. wild to me. I just... I just... Well... Let's let's also remember this is the adaption where instead of Ron saying when Snape says Hermione's a know-it-all, instead of standing up oh, and telling oh, Snape to back off, oh, he says oh, he's oh, got a point, oh. you know. So when I went on this, I went on this crazy ass rant on podcast. I don't know, five, six, seven years ago. I don't know. Somebody transcribed it and it went on Tumblr. And the last time I looked, it had like a hundred thousand. I don't know. It just As went it everywhere. Deserves. And that was my final point. It was like take that, Ron. Even at his biggest hatred, dislike, everything bad in the world, Hermione, he would never. What he did instead was yell at Snape. And instead, in the movie, they had him be a bully at Hermione. I don't get it. I don't understand. And I'm angry. (laughs) Yeah. We just, we need that Netflix TV show adaption. And we just need to fix Ron's character. Like, when that happens... Like, like, literally, surely when they do it, because they will do it eventually. Surely, you will be the first on their list to like be like a consultant. Jesus Christmas! I hope I will tell them. I hope somebody is willing to tell them here X Y Z and A B C. This is where you're destroying the heart of this thing. This is where it is. And I think they have. They. I mean, my God, I'm definitely not the only person who could do that in the world. But I want to so badly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. a hundred. Yeah. If I ever become a multi-billionaire, I will commission it. it just so that I can be like, Same. okay, so here, here's the books. That's your script. <laughs> like, just do it. Absolute same. Ooh, let's all. Okay. Are we? Are down. we? Yeah. Deep breaths. <sighs> Deep breaths. So Ron says the line, things. and that's what we're up to. That was only ten yes. minutes on on Ron. <laughs> yes. So Sirius clearly feels a lot of empathy for Ron hears him say that line tells him to lie down and i think actually Sirius sees a lot of himself in ron because he sees harry as james and we know this and this is like a mirrored thing throughout everything but life flickers in his eyes when ron says this line i think he really Mm -hmm. sees the brotherly love between harry and ron is very similar to the brotherly love between Sirius and james yeah Mm -hmm. can we just point out harry kicks a cat in this he what? Yeah, he does. Harry, he does. And I don't blame him because it looks like the cat is on Sirius Black's side. But oh, also, no. can we just like Harry kicks a cat? Like he kicks a cat. This is a thing that is like one of those things that you say is, you know, well, if you see him kicking cats, be worried about him. I would be worried about Harry in this moment. He literally kicks Crookshanks. Oh, I'm surprised yeah. Crookshanks then ever sits on harry's lap again in future books right like i'd be angry about that forever my notes get all caps at this moment because it's like it's like harry kicks a cat hermione's foot swings out of nowhere lupin does a triple expelliarmus why doesn't harry gets everybody's one this chapter is crazy that's literally my notes even though harry's unarmed he won't stop trying to provoke and fight Sirius. like Sirius Mm -hmm. is just kind of trying to like i mean he's he's being really bad at doing it he's doing the whole they're like only one will die here yeah. tonight kind of thing and it is like just communicate but then harry even though he has no weapon just is just like ready to fight just won't stop trying to provoke him like yeah sirius is kind of trying to explain and harry's just like nah like i'm just being peak gryffindor yeah and there's here. one bit i really don't understand where like so they get into a fight hermione goes to kick 
away Sirius. Ron forces them apart. The wands roll across the floor. Harry manages to grab the wands and then he thinks about killing Black. And he's standing there thinking about killing Black. Harry doesn't know the killing curse. Yes. I wrote this I note. Ma- yes. What, 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 what he's he like, he's do? thinking about it and he's like, yeah, I'm going to kill him. I'm going to kill him. I'm like, Harry, bitch, you don't know how. Yeah. What, what, what are you, what are you going to do? Like fucking to jinx him to death. Yeah. Like just I mean, repeatedly jinx him until. I thought that, yeah, but also like, he can die of fire. Like, there's lots of things you can do. You can suffocate <laughs> a person. Dark. You can conch. Con- oh, it's so dark. I, you know, there's a vodka cadaver, but, but then like, there's, like, every that- other horrible way to die still. That's yeah. true. But so, at the same time, I was going to be, like, a Hogwarts really teaching 13-year-olds, like, how to set someone on fire. But then, yes, probably. that seems very much like something Hogwarts would do. I mean, or do we they have to up- teach them how to conjure ratios fire. of how people die? I-, I just found it weird. But, yeah, there are other ways. To- but it's such a more... But like it's also, a longer way to go about killing someone. There's also a turnaround here because Ron and Hermione don't stop him now. They did. Yeah. They tried to stop him before, but Ron and Hermione are just. They just recognize when Harry sort of is in like Avatar state. It's like get out of the way, and they yeah. do. And they're like, no, don't fuck with Harry right now. And they just let yeah. him make this choice for himself for himself, which is also horrible and dark, but kind of cool. They're like, yeah, okay, we tried to stop you before, but like, this has to be your moment. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, those lengthening silences are where, of course, Harry wasn't going to kill him. You know, are no, yeah, beautiful and and yeah. resonant. And I'm glad she put them in. I am. Yeah. Then like Crookshanks jumps onto Black, which is the cutest thing ever. And Harry is like, yeah. I could kill the cat too. And you ju- you know, yeah. as the reader, he's, he's not going to kill yeah. the cat or Black. But it is just like, would he and could he and is it inside of him? And it is this like the the thing we learn about in book five is like does Harry have a darkness and everyone has a lightness and darkness, but there is something that resides yeah. in Harry. Yeah. yeah. We always say this, but I really, really, and I think this is a book that makes me wish that I could go back and read Harry Potter for the first time with no memory. Yeah. Yes. yeah. What I think if I was reading this for the first time, I think the moment that I would know without a doubt that Sirius was innocent is the moment that Crookshank sits on his heart. Because Definitely. I'm sorry, if a cat is on your side, I'm on your side. <laughs> Definitely. Like, I just... I trust the cat. You trust the cat. Mm-hmm. It takes a lot. It takes a whole yeah. lot to get yep. a cat so, on your side. There's, there's also a moment when Harry's like, you killed my parents. And Sirius is like, I don't deny it. It's like Sirius. Yeah. He's trying to kill you. Maybe use different words. Yeah. Yeah. Like, or use any words. Just use your words, Sirius. Like, How about I did fucking- not. I did not strike. Do like, do like a Shawshank. Do like, I didn't kill my wife, but I as good as, you know, do like yeah. I didn't cast the curse and I wasn't the secret keeper, but I feel responsible for that. Like use words, serious. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. He's just in this really like self pitying, yeah. like self blame spiral. But it's also really resonant. Like, it's yeah. also really emotionally powerful. Yeah. This, yeah. yeah. But like, yeah. that's the time and a place, serious. Like fucking. Save <laughs> this it. is not the time or the place. <laughs> not in the shrieking no. shack in this night. <laughs> Fuck Harry for wanting to kill a cat. Um, real dick move Uh, (laughs) so they hear footsteps and Hermione calls out for help and Lupin runs in he demands uh, what? demands disarms Harry and Hermione a triple expelliarmus is what I'm Mm -hmm. saying three now we've got three expelliarmuses at once again book seven I suppose it depends who you're aiming like who you're intending we know a lot of spells are about intention sure and intention behind the words and we were talking about this with the the waddy wassy 
thing with Sarah, well, weren't we? Yeah. <laughs> with the gum and about how, was that what we were talking about? But how yeah. about like spells are more about the intention ness sometimes ness more than the words themselves. So I suppose it could be that. Sure, yeah. we'll go with that. We'll go with that, yeah. <laughs> so Lupin then say comes into the room and the first thing he says is, Where is, Where he, is serious? he? A voice that shook with some suppressed emotion is a sentence that launched eight oh, million yeah. ships, 800 <laughs> million fanfics. And this is the ve- this is the beginning of Wolfstar right here. Yeah. Yep. And I gotta say, rereading it, I once again have those feels yeah do you guys feel this way yeah I mean I didn't actually like oh I'm so annoying I was saying this literally an hour ago on the fanatical fix podcast I was such like a canon nerd growing up and I was like Mm -hmm. if it's not in the books it's not real and then rereading as an adult because I know Wolfstar (laughs) is so popular and I have read some fanfics I'm like okay let's like think about this and yeah yeah like reading it now I'm like oh it's Wolfstar like stuff that you can say oh that's like not in the text but then there's stuff that's in the text it's just subtext yeah like yeah this yeah. is wolf star's the only one i'm i'm a big ca- like canon's canon 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 but wolf star's the only one that i'm just like ah i don't think sirius has pictures of girls on his wall it's the only one that i'm mm. well, or maybe he does but I, I cannot deny the emotionality of the relationship and maybe because it's playing that way because of the emotionality of like what they have all been through connects them in a way that is beyond plain friendship, you know? Mm-hmm. But it's just so fraught. And so I understand, like, I I really, I'm still there, headcanon, you know? I'm still there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Feel it. So Sirius points at Ron in response to the question, where is he? Yeah. It's yeah. just such a, like, pull the rug out from under yeah. you moment. Yeah. Like, and, like, I, <gasps> I want to read this moment again for the first time because I feel like you would be like, wait, is is like is there something about ron like you know yeah yeah it's also it's also like it's not what you expect lupin to say and you're so jk rowling it's the classic jk rowling thing of like okay well the teacher you think is good is the bad one and the thing one you think is bad is the good one so maybe you suspect lupin but then no he's good throughout the books and then as soon as he runs into the shrieking check and says this line you're like i was right he was bad and he wasn't and it's just it repetitively keeps changing mm-hmm. and yeah i'm the same as you i just wish i could read it for the first time without knowing everything again same. yeah just to know what i would think so black yeah points at ron and for one moment you think is it ron mm-hmm. what is happening unless you've looked at the chapter title and that's another thing that annoys me about the chapter title is it kind of fucking gives it away well do you know okay here we go i'm gonna do it Oh, I no. do not understand why the American books, and you, I, I believe this is in the American book, and the latest UK editions list the chapters at the beginning of the I book. I don't understand that either. Got the book five, saw Christmas on the closed word, and was like, oh, that's bad. That's bad news. Exactly. Why would you do that? Yeah. Yeah. There's mm-hmm. so many spoilers in the chapter titles, and they should not be listed at the front. It's... Yeah. <laughs> Stupid. Yeah. So it's just Lupin, nonsensical noises. <laughs> yeah. Lupin lowers his wand and hugs Sirius. And Hermione yells at Lupin that she's been, she trusted him. She's been covering for him. Yeah. And this is such another moment for Hermione of again breaking down her trust in the establishment yeah. and the teacher and everything and her faith being taken away in things. Like she keeps putting people of like teachers on a pedestal yeah. and then it yeah. keeps being pulled yeah. down for her. And this is another moment where I feel like as a new reader, this must be such a roller coaster. I really wish 
I can remember this mm. moment for the oh, first time. Because I remember this you've... very clearly. Oh, how, I'm so jealous. How, like, this set of chapters just set me rolling in a way that no other set of chapters did. It was just yeah. like, wait, it's, wait, and this is happening, and oh my god, the pace, and now he's a werewolf, and now I think we should be done. Oh, crap, we're going back in time. Like, the whole, <laughs> yeah. this is the craziest denouement of a book I've ever read in my life. Yeah, yeah so because good. It's you wild. have the moment where he points at Ron, so you're like, wait, is there something about Ron? Can Ron not be trusted? And then you have Hermione saying that she's been covering for Lupin, and you're like, can Hermione? Because you don't know what it right. is, and you're like, so you just go from like not trusting one person yep. to another, and also, it's showing you about the place. Also, Hermione, the, what struck me on this reread, and I, it's not something that I hadn't clocked before, but it just reminded me, Hermione was covering for Lupin without even telling Lupin that she yeah. was covering for him. And that just shows how Hermione is pushes against her prejudices so hard yeah. that she was like, no, I don't even, you know, like I'm, co I'm going to cover for him. It's not right that he's prejudiced against. He's a nice yeah. guy. He, like my experience of him, I'm going to go by my experience of the person and not what society or whatever, tell even though she'd have no way of knowing that werewolves were very prejudiced against. I say no way. She would have known. She would have researched. Yeah, she would but have it's realized. it's one of it's one of the reasons that Hermione is such an advocate for marginalized groups in the Wizarding yep. world is because she has no sense of the prejudice walking in. So yeah. from an outside perspective, she's like, why would they why? be different? Yeah. Why would you say that? Why? And it constantly fights against Ron's inbuilt prejudices, which aren't necessarily his fault, but he needs to learn to take them away because he yeah. grew up with them. Which I actually have a note about Ron's "Get away from me, werewolf." moment here which is I about do, that yeah. like I appreciate it's shocking that. it's shocking but I also appreciate it I mean Ron grew mm. up deeply steeped in these privileges and in these things and it would be weird if he just didn't have anything right now he eventually comes around and it shows change and it's but it's it's I feel like it was a good thing that she was like I, yeah I agree because yeah. it, it's a shocking moment in the way to, to call someone by what, what they are rather than their name especially when mm -hmm. Ron has known and trusted Lupin is such a derogatory thing to do yeah. but I do think yeah. it's really important to the text because we don't have time in this moment for the text to be like and this is why werewolves are bad and this is why society is with that we've got to just show it textually and yep. also yeah we know that later on ron has more prejudice against house elves he has yep. more prejudice against giants slightly but, but and he learns to work through that the same way he learns to work through this yeah so Hermione accuses Lupin of being Sirius's friend and Lupin mm -hmm. says that he hasn't been Sirius's friend in 12 years. Hermione then reveals that Lupin is a werewolf and this is where I want to talk about the fucking metaphor that mm. is, mm -hmm. oh, it's a train wreck. It's a train wreck. So J.K. Rowling <laughs> has been very, very open about mm -hmm. the fact that the werewolf is a metaphor for HIV. Mm. Yeah. And I hate this so much it's didn't it's, she also say it was a bit like just like general like illness and people being because she she she'd experienced people being like weirded out by old people and illness yeah and that it was sort of like about that as well but HIV yeah I mean also. she yeah she's definitely explicitly said about HIV before yeah. and this it's not a good metaphor when you have one character that is good with it and then every other character 
that is a werewolf is an evil character and you even yeah. have a character who makes it his mission to go out and infect other children yeah. Yeah. this is not a good metaphor to have no. about gay men to have about hiv sufferers like this is it's not it's not okay i don't know if it's unintentionally shitty or it is showing jk rowling's internalized biphobia homophobia yeah. or and not just jk rowling's but Definitely, it is a societal yeah, thing. Yeah, I feel like it's and just... particularly from J.K. Rowling's generation. Like, yes. It's, you know, the same yeah, generation. Yeah, it's very different in a generation. As my mother, and I know that, you know, it is a generational it thing. It is a generational but thing, But yeah. you just, like, think it through more because if you're going to make this metaphor and you can tell that it's kind of well-intentioned on yes. a surface level because she's trying to be like, okay, like, Lupin has this affliction, but, like, look, he's a good character. And, it, and, and it's society a, and judges it's okay. him in a way which... And, yeah. But on the surface level, but then it is your responsibility to think deeper and to think, okay, so if, you know, I may be showing this one character, but then if all of the other characters that have this affliction are bad, then, you know, this is not a positive metaphor. Mm. And then also just the entire thing with Grenier, Grenier, Greyback. This is a drunken podcast. In infecting, not only infecting other people on infecting purpose, children but on purpose. children. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, Fenrir is oh, a bad guy. Fenrir is a bad guy. fucking train wreck of a metaphor. Yeah, and JK only... Rowling can go fuck herself <laughs> for this. <laughs> I I had only thought about the metaphor in relation to Lupin. I'd never really given that much thought to the metaphor, which is, again, it's interesting from definitely a generational point of view because HIV in our generation means such a different thing than in our parents' generation. Yeah. Such a different thing. But I'd never thought about it in relation to Fenrir Greyback and the, and I I think it's just an, an ill thought out saying it, I think using it not, as a metaphor. I think it's not Carrie. So I think that when she conceives the character, it was like, mm. I'm gonna. This is gonna be representative of mm. of the stigma that gets applied to ill people because I've looked at a little bit of it up and it, and she says like like HIV and AIDS. So she's saying like illness in general, the way people push off people with an illness, and mm. then later in the book she needed an evil werewolf. You know what I mean? And so like I it's valid that it's not it's not great to apply to um, HIV in, sp- in specific or like the idea and there listen we can talk about Fantastic Beasts and we can talk about uh, the only sort of openly gay character that we or at least seemingly gay character that we or one of two that we really know about is tracking down young boys in an alley that's a it's a very valid crit. Like I don't want to like say mm-hmm. anybody's criticism is not valid but I think that this is probably more she was like I need to to think about what Lupin's illness would what's the understanding level here and the understanding is like mm. this is how people treat people with illness this is how the way he's treated is similar to the way people treated people with AIDS etc and then later was like well it's a fantasy series I need an evil werewolf I need an evil werewolf probably not fully thought out the way those two things would, yeah. <laughs> would combine yeah. to and, each other and that's you know? the thing she should have thought about it because especially right. at the point when she introduces Frenya Greyback, you know, it was kind of a bit of a notable series. And I just think you have yes. a responsibility to your readers and to an entire right. generation. Yeah. And she should have put a bit more thought into it. Yeah. I think go of- to a place where there's a lot of like werewolves who are taking that potion and are like conscientious about themselves so i do think there was something in there about werewolves who are trying very hard not to infect other people there is probably so there was something about like like there there is an effort by the werewolf community to keep their illness contained so i I appreciate that but i agree that it's um 
it's a problematic application of the metaphor for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. yeah, and I think yeah. like that applies to the the wider Harry Potter thing of application of metaphors because a lot of what Harry Potter did and maybe was trying to do or inadvertently did was use metaphors that children can understand in the form of creatures mm. to apply lots of real world issues. So there are so many allegories for racism. There are there's yeah. like lots yeah. of different things like that. And but it is a problem when you extrapolate something that is 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 a simple concept like this is a creature and try to use it to apply to all of the issues of racism in history and i think in the small context of us trying to show a child reader because these books were aimed at children that this person with a long-term illness is the same as everyone else is good and we should respect him is a very good thing but when you when you try to then apply that directly to a specific thing and then don't think it through in the wider context that is when you start to run into a lot of issues it's the kind of thing she you know for when this was written it was incredibly progressive Mm. and i think Mm -hmm. that a lot of her metaphors um worked like i do credit harry potter with having shaped our generation into like a generation that's incredibly um for the most part left wing and i think that harry potter genuinely like we've done talks on it before i i i credit harry potter with some of that Mm. so i do think that the metaphors worked it's just then when you become like an adult critical reader Mm. reading more into those metaphors you realize that oh my god those things should not be metaphors also like to highlight to highlight just what the timeline was rent came out in 1996 these books came out in 1997 and this particular book came out in 1999 they are Mm. very early in that whole conception of that so if that was what she was thinking in 1999 it may not have been the metaphor she wanted to apply but it's her responsibility to you know make sure that metaphor doesn't fully (laughs) track out to (laughs) you know but but again like it was really i mean she was writing this book at the time that um the aids crisis was starting to finally see light yeah yeah yeah. So Hermione reveals she's known since Snape set the essay and she's like, I should have told someone. And Lupin says, well, Dumbledore <coughs> knew all along. And then to prove he's trustworthy, he throws the ones back to everyone. He says he's been studying the map and that's why he knew the trio were down there. And then the re- next reveal, the next big reveal in the long list of reveals this chapter has is he helped write the map and he has moony the conversation quite quickly moves on and we don't get back to the names for a bit because everything is moving so fast in this chapter so then he's doing that thing that they're all doing which is where they're kind of speaking without saying everything they need to be saying so he's like i saw you accompanied by another and they're like no you didn't and he's like it was a person that i never would have imagined I'm like right. just say who it is stop yeah. saying stop making it sound more dramatic yeah right. it's one of those things you can tell it's a fucking book because no one speaks <laughs> like that yeah <laughs> no one speaks like that also like can we stop how this book at all times harry had this map on him or from the beginning most Mm. close to the beginning harry had this map on him that would tell him that would show him the name peter pettigrew for the whole book how carefully did she have to plot this thing to make sure anytime harry looked at the map he would not see peter pettigrew it is wild how mm-hmm. how carefully plotted this book is yeah it's, it's intense it is lupin asked to look at the rat and i feel that the reader is meant to be as confused as harry mm-hmm. here the way the chapter is written is so good because a lot of the time you have not more information than harry because everything's from harry's perspective but you sometimes have a bit more overarching context information but with this chapter you are gaining the information at the exact rate harry is so you are sitting there like going on the same time as harry Mm -hmm. so then it is revealed 
the rat is Peter Pettigrew, mm-hmm. and that is how the chapter ends. Dun, 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 dun. It's such a good chapter end. It's just like close. It's so the, good. It's the best. So it's good. very cinematic. This whole thing is very like Hunger Games. If you ever read Hunger Games, um, yeah. Suzanne Collins is um, she was a screenwriter first, and yes. so or maybe at the same time as a novelist. I don't know. But her, if you look at each chapter. It's written to move you to the next chapter. Every single mm. one of these. And these chapters are very like that. Where it it's is. like it's meant to push you to the next page. Yeah, it's written. It's almost written as if it is for screen, which makes it frustrating that they just didn't use it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so chapter 18, Mooney, Wormtail, Padfoot and Prongs. So Hermione says that he can't be an animagus because he isn't registered as one. Well. <laughs> it's good logic from Hermione. It's so good, but also so like... <laughs> it's so Hermione yeah like but you're not in the it, book yeah and it and it's oh it really is her like intense like trust of anything that's written down it's like mm-hmm. she really you can tell that like she never this was like the 90s so she never had that teacher being like wikipedia isn't a source yeah, yeah. also like sirius <laughs> is trying to convince lupin to kill Pettigrew and says like we'll can we'll explain afterwards and it's like if only I, you know, I don't want to encourage murder, but if only they had either put him in a magical container of some sort yeah. or yeah. killed him, right? That I suppose then you wouldn't have a plot, but like, wow, what, what, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Anyway, it is, it is a bit bizarre to me though that they want to kill him now when that will mean serious, like it never right. exposes the truth, but they it are shows. left with. N- it shows yeah. like Sirius does How not give a shit. He yeah. doesn't. Yeah. He, his life is ruined to him. He doesn't yeah. care if he lives or dies. If he has to flee the country, that's fine. He just yeah. wants. And it also like it also like almost like makes me feel even more for Sirius because mm. it shows you that his loyalty is his friends who are his family. That 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 is it. He doesn't care. It's f- clearing his name, sure, nice if it happens, but that's not technically what he's out for. So they hear a creak and the door opens. Um, and they're like, oh, like, it's haunted. And then Lupin's like, no, nope. it isn't haunted. Um, he was the one that, you know, was making all the noise mm-hmm. that people thought was ghosts. And then they kind of ignore the fact the door opens. <laughs> yeah, they're just, like, moving on yeah. from the fact that the door that... Also, does just, Harry oh. never notice that his invisibility cloak is gone? Well, I think... <laughs> so, no, he, he drops it outside the tree yeah but he's yeah. not like yeah. oh damn i left my invisibility cloak behind that's valuable no. i should maybe yeah. not you know I, I suppose he was so worried about ron and sure. then f- f- forgot the whole thing but it is kind of like grab grab the cloak it's important that cloak, cloak. fucking helps you like also yeah. like snape's just like flinging the cloak aside this is a hallow people don't even realize what they're what they're tossing around yeah. is an incredibly <laughs> valuable piece of material also, how did Snape find it on a dark ground in yes. the night? Like, what the hell? Maybe it got Indeed. tangled around his foot. And he was like, oh, <laughs> oh, oh, there convenient. it is. Convenient. Yeah. So Lupin talks basically about how he was turned into a werewolf, about how everyone knows this year, and Snape has been giving him a potion so that he can keep his mind, but this didn't exist back when he first became a werewolf. He talks about how Dumbledore wanted Lupin to come to Hogwarts, and about how Dumbledore made allowances for him, such as the Whomping Willow being parted and the Shrieking shack being built which was wildly new information to me like i thought it already existed that Mm -hmm. was a surprise doing a close reading and lupin basically like goes through his history he had a terrible time like because he was a werewolf but at hogwarts he finally made friends he was worried they would all find out he's a werewolf but when they found out they accepted him it took them three years to work out how to become animagi have you talked about the well first of all i'm sorry i'm just noticing right now that lupin says and of course your father harry 
James Potter. He just says Harry's whole yeah, name. Yeah, like, uh, <laughs> Harry, James Potter. Also, yeah. like, the Animagi transformation, have you looked at what it is? It's is nuts. It's like a leaf under the... You have to keep yeah. a leaf under your tongue for 30 days. Literally, nonstop for 30 days from moon to moon and without anybody knowing. Can you imagine James Potter shutting up for that long? How did nobody realize, how did McGonagall not realize what they were doing? If all three of those people were quiet for a month, wouldn't she have been like, hmm. How do you eat and drink with a leaf under your tongue? I do not know. Magic. I thought, so when I first heard about that, I was like, oh, it's a fan fiction thing and dismissed it for ages. And it wasn't until you told me it wasn't yeah. a fan fiction no, thing. And Pottermore. Like, what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> R.I.P. Pottermore. Oh, Pottermore. So they decided to become animagite to keep him company. Um, at because apparently Lupin is less dangerous around animals. He doesn't want to bite them, I suppose, because the point, quote unquote, of a werewolf is to bite other people. Like, yeah. They're like that's the point of the yeah. infliction. Yeah. So, but it, he doesn't want to bite animals. And it allows him to keep some of his human brain, basically. Like, slowly, as he hangs around with them, he feels more human but they start taking greater risks they roam the grounds they roam hogsmeade hermione being hermione is like that was really dangerous it's Mm -hmm. like yeah yeah no he knew that (laughs) yeah but he's a kid Um, you know he's a kid yeah you can see why as like four teenage boys they were like this is great this is fun and didn't really think but this is why it annoys me that lupin quite obviously gets painted as being like the bookish sensible one because it's like he really wasn't like Mm. he was so irresponsible um and careless and reckless they all and all of them yeah and they yeah, all but I feel like other. everyone always talks about Lupin like he's like the like sensible like like he's Percy basically and I'm like he so no. is not Percy no he's I mean not look at Percy. him in book seven he almost leaves yeah. his yeah. life you know yeah. it's yeah. not no so they then because they'd explored everywhere so much they invented the map signed it with their nicknames Lupin explains that he's been so guilty this year and he could not tell Dumbledore about what he knew about them becoming animagite because it would reveal the mistakes he'd made yeah. back in school again uh, really flawed I feel like so for a flawed. Gryffindor Lupin is really cowardly in this moment it's unbelievably cowardly like I completely but, understand yeah. why like he's had no friends and nobody was who accepts him and now these, yeah. these these friends like did this amazing thing for him and are gonna yeah. make his trans and then like allow him to have a normal teenage life on those nights i do think that like adult lupin would have been like all right it's one night of your life go sit in this house they built for you you know but you could understand as a teenager how he just oh a hundred percent it's more like how as an adult he believes at this point at that point that sirius was breaking into the school to kill harry but he was like he did dark magic i'm not gonna believe it because he was an animagi and it's like you really need to come to terms with that yeah. guilt and explain it to Dumbledore because look. you are as much mm-hmm. in the wrong and I completely understand why because you've been shunned your whole life but oh, also was yeah. the shack the shack so was the shack like reinforced magically how come they thought here's the plan we're not going to lock him in a cage we're not going to lock him in anything metal we're going to build a wooden house and put a fancy <laughs> bed in it that'll keep him in I don't understand <laughs> Why this I, plan is so elaborate? It's so incredibly elaborate. Hogwarts has dungeons. Lock him in a dungeon for the night. Invisibility cloak it so that nobody can see it or whatever you have to yeah. do. You're magicians. The plan of like, I know what we'll do. I got it. We're gonna get. We're gonna plant a tree. We're gonna plant a tree that kills anything that comes close, just to keep people safe. Plus, we're gonna build a tunnel. Wait, my plan's not done. At the end of the tunnel, it's gonna come out at Hogsmeade. We're gonna build a wooden house. Also, we don't like. Do we have to reinforce it? I don't know. We'll put a fancy bed in there. That'll be fine. 
and we're going to put it in like an even more populated place than Hogwarts. Yeah. This is a weird plan. I definitely it's a very feel like plan. yeah. I feel like Dumbledore had spent like a load of the school budget on this like summer right? interior decorating project, and then the governors were like, "Uh, Dumbledore, why have you spent all this money decorating the shack?" And he was like, "Uh, werewolf student, werewolf student. Uh, Look what do I did. You have a cage in the dungeon, a large one. You could put a four poster bed in there if you want. Like it doesn't have to be, you know, like it doesn't have to be horrible." But why does he have to go to a shack? That's weird. It's weird. Oh, it's very weird. So Snape comes up in the conversation that he's a professor there. And Lupin explains the joke in full. Finally, after it being hinted at for so many books. The 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 joke. joke. It's hilarious, a joke. Funny joke. Sirius told Snape that if he prodded the tree, he can get in and kind of see what's been going on. Snape did that. And when James heard about what Sirius had told him, he went in the tree to get him. Snape saw Lupin down the corridor, but James managed to pull him back before anything bad happened. It's not a joke and it's not funny. No, it's an attempted murder. Let's call it what it is. That's that's the murder. And it's also, as we discussed in the first episode when this joke came up, really fucking horrible to Lupin. Do you want your friend to murder someone? What the hell? Yeah. Yeah. Not okay not also were they there with him weren't they supposed to be there with him so he was not only like let's it's very horrible to attempt to murder somebody and to attempt to have your friend murder somebody but also you're all gonna all your secrets gonna be it's a bad it's not a joke it's just a bad plan (coughs) and i guess Sirius Mm -hmm. is this reckless whatever and he just said something in the heat of the moment you can sort of imagine how it happens but to call it a joke is a stretch yeah it's not a joke it's not no one's Trick. laughing. <laughs> Snape does one of his best timing moments ever. Oh, yeah. Snape loves a classic. He's been mentioned. Snape's a drama there. queen. He's a Hello. full yeah. drama queen. Yeah. <laughs> he loves to walk into a room yeah. at the right time. I like to imagine he lingers behind doors like, they're yep. going to mention me at some point. Here I go. Here I go. He was waiting so for his cue. Yeah, yeah. So he says, that's right. And pulls the invisibility cloak off. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. Do you know what I realized? Yeah. I read this chapter and I was like, that must be shorter than the last one. It is a, a third of the length of the previous yeah. chapter. It's a very short I was short listening chapter. to the audiobook and it was 15 yeah. minutes long on the audiobook. Oh, wow. wow. But it's because these the, there's very few places that these chapters can be split yeah. because it yes. is just information. Mm-hmm. So I suppose it was just split where it could be. Yeah. Split it's a, for dramatic it's very, pause. It's, yeah. It's a very... Uh, like you needed the big moment after Peter, after Pettigrew's name came up. And then yeah, it, yeah. 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 Uh, so good. Oh, Love. my favorite. My favorite. This I, whole end of this book is my favorite. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I honestly think that these reveal chapters in The Shrieking Shop are some of the best written in all Agreed. of Harry Potter. They yeah. are so well written. They're meticulous. Just, They're so you can just tell how hard it must have been to put together, but also she maintains the pacing somehow. Mm-hmm. And it's revelation after revelation after revelation after revelation. And you're subverting. It's not just that it's revelations, but you're subverting every idea we have about everyone mm, <laughs> in this yeah. series about James, about Snape, about Lupin, about Pettigrew, and about Sirius. And it creates mm. these like complications in their character. Like, yeah, Sirius, that was a horrible joke. Lupin, how could you not tell Dumbledore that this guy is an animagus? That's a horrible thing to have done, but you can also sort of understand. And then you mm. have Snape, who if you look closely, she's very, very careful not to reveal to Snape that Pettigrew was the spy. And so, yeah. like, what Snape 
sees is very selective and like what what we've seen with this with the with the map is shown to have been incredibly careful and selective Mm. and it's just like her like mastery as a writer is just unfolding itself in this book it's it i think it she shows so much prowess as a writer in this book like some of the later books they get very long and i think they needed a little bit more editing and i think one of the good points about this book although i always think i want as much harry potter as i can get mm-hmm. is the the shortness of the book it it very succinctly wraps up some very complicated plot points and that's just very like masterful yeah. storytelling it's also trusting the reader a lot which mm. i which i love when i see an author do and it's also like um it's confident also yeah. do you see the front of this book i have the uh, scholastic editions like the newer ones oh mm-hmm. yeah and like the key image of harry casting the patronus is right on the front but i guess that like the voldemort fight is right on the front of book seven so who am i to judge it's not on our editions What's on what's on book seven and it's book the seven vault. it's the vault them sliding out the vault. Weird, that's a very weird cover. Yeah, and the well to be fair though, book three is them riding on the back of Buckbeak, so you're like, can Buckbeak be dead? Sure. Mm. Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. I yeah. hadn't thought about that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh now I want to look at all the books and work out what like spoilers the, yeah. the front covers are showing. Mm. Mm. If you look at book yeah, one I... in America and book seven in America, book one has has uh drapes on the sides like it's a play opening and book mm. seven has drapes like drapes closing so <gasps> I, love I love that, that. Oh, it's cool that's fantastic yeah cool stuff cool maybe stuff. america is right sometimes <laughs> <laughs> is this like a thing about for you guys the covers and the oxford com- comma and the oxford comma yeah we're, we're big i mean considering that i think 48 percent of our audience is american we oh, wow. spend a lot of time slagging off america <laughs> it started as this kind of listen it started as this kind of thing where we we listen to we've listened to a lot of other harry potter podcasts and quite a lot of them just kind of things they're like oh that's incorrect not realizing it's a britishism or yeah. like that's a weird way to write or, it yeah or they're like this weird word or weird saying or things like that and Who's we're saying just like, that that's so weird like it's like every and i I get it if you're american you haven't heard like a phrase before but saying it's but there's podcasts who say like oh that's weirdly written i'm like it's not could you please do something how we speak so we like turn it so we turn it on our heads we're like you're wrong about everything yeah and we're very petty that's why we do well with american listeners because they're like you actually explain the british and then that's why we do well with british listeners because they're like thank god it's not someone just like commenting on this use of word or something yeah so there's one phrase that i'm really glad they changed i think it's at the beginning of book five fred and george talk about the owls or it must be the beginning of book six because they're one year above they talk about their owls and what they got and they said it's enough to keep their peckers up which in british is i guess your noses right (laughs) no not so in america something else i don't i don't remember that as a did they edit it in british i no, I think it must. I mean, it's a throwaway line. Yeah, I don't, don't remember, remember it off the top of my head. It's but it something does, like there's a chance it'll be there. Yeah, yeah it's something like it, about their grades were enough to keep their noses up, but they say Packers and oh. American. That means something else. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. amazing! Yeah. Fantastic. So they Brilliant. changed that for sure. Yeah, that. I mean, that that's good and that's fair enough. That is fair. There's a lot of things that are fair. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, Ooh. I'm so glad that you got these chapters. It was pretty much a random dip because we organized this so last minute. We yeah. did. It was what so fun. It, 
what incredible chapters to get um yeah. could you please tell everyone where they can find yeah. you and where they sure. can hunt you down oh gosh there's a lot go to my twitter at melissa and ellie and then i'm on a but okay all the podcasts i'm on are on mischiefmedia.com so there's pottercast there's roll nine and three quarters i do a business podcast with takia who's my coo of mischief management and i actually it's one of the most fun uh things i do which is we talk about all the ways you can screw up in business we just oh, I sort of that. lay that, it out that actually sounds like our kind of thing yeah i'm gonna go it's with that. very honest very honest we talk. it's called make new mistakes and it's just it's just incredibly honest and then the other one i do is about the his dark material series oh, oh. Yeah. some of my friends have just started a podcast about that as well what's it called i think they called it like her dark i just saw that pop up yeah we do it's called yeah. extraneous and we so the way extraneous works is that there's two sets of us and so there's one that comes out on monday which is them talking about supernatural and there is one that comes out on Thursday, uh, sometimes Friday, that is us talking about uh, his work materials. So we just finished Golden Compass slash Northern Lights, <coughs> and we're heading into the series. And it's me and my partner, Will, my, my, my boyfriend, Will, and we are just digging real, real, like podcast style deep into these stories. I'm so excited. I, I'm about to start them for the first time ever tonight. Oh, wow. The, oh, the, so his materials, but <gasps> I've never read them. They're so good. I've never I can't. Read them either. I'm so excited to hear what you think. They're so good. Yeah. And then you have to come because on us on ours. A hundred percent. Yeah. The, so the BBC HBO show starts in about a, a week, week. So my aim is to read the the first book before that. You will read them so fast. They read really yeah. fast. It's one of the most emotional <laughs> reading experiences I've ever had in my life. And wow, I, it, 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 I reread them recently, obviously before starting all this, and mm. it just holds up. Oh man! So we're having so much fun. So we just finished. We just finished the reread, and then we're gonna head into the series, and then we're gonna start Subtle Knife at the after the series. Um, I see. Ah, very yeah. nice. Love Exciting. it. Everyone, please go find Stalk. you and listen <laughs> to all me. the things we of, well to be fair we often get messages like what am i meant to do in between your gap gaps and episodes you have many podcasts for people yes. to listen to i'm people literally on that. four that should hold you over yeah. for a while <laughs> <laughs> we also have a podcast on mischief called that i'm that, a couple of podcasts on mischief that i'm not on uh one is called a story most queer and it's all queer stories so um written narrated edited everything by queer people and it's just little pocket-sized I stories love that. once a week oh that's it's amazing that's so really cute good. love yeah. that yeah really really good so we're excited there's a lot of good stuff in the in the mix over there so go check it out amazing Fantastic. well thank you so much for coming on for these like very heavy uh, chapters yeah i couldn't believe i lucked into these chapters i sent you guys a message that was like i cannot believe these are the yeah. chapters mm -hmm. my most ranty it's like it's like if i could have ever picked two chapters to be so i'm so glad we met at the right time 100 yes. percent. yeah yeah so yeah. thank you so much for coming on and we will see you in a bit everyone oh basically. bye Thank you for listening to this episode of Goblet of Wine. To keep up with us in between episodes, you can find us on Twitter at Goblet of Wine Pod, on Instagram at Goblet of Wine Podcast, and on our website at www.gobletofwine.co.uk. You can also leave us a rating and review on iTunes or on Facebook. Thank you so much to our producer-level patrons, Amanda, Mark, Sandra and Danny, for their help supporting this podcast. If you'd like to support us, as well as gaining access to behind-the-scenes content and bonus episodes... Check out our Patreon on patreon.com slash goblet of wine. Thank you so much for listening to this episode and we'll see you in the next one. Bye. Bye.